1: Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to episode 154 of Awards Chatter, the Hollywood Reporters Awards podcast, presented by New York's iconic Empire Hotel. I'm the host, Scott Feinberg, and my guest today is one of the most talented actresses of her generation. Someone who, at just 57, already has accumulated 12 Emmy nominations and seven wins, five SAG nominations and two wins, five Critics' Choice nominations and three wins, five Golden Globe nominations two Tony nominations, and the list goes on. The great Allison Janney. Janney is best known for her portrayal of White House press secretary C.J. Craig on 145 episodes of NBC's The West Wing, spanning 1999 through 2006. But prior to her involvement with that iconic show, she already was a distinguished theater actress who occasionally appeared in great films like The Ice Storm and American Beauty. And since its run ended, she has continued to pop up in great films like Juno and The Help, while also doing fantastic TV work in parts small and big. From an unforgettable guest star on Masters of Sex, to a fantastic and ongoing co-starring part in Mom, the Chuck Laurie multi-camera sitcom that airs on CBS, on which she plays a recovering addict who, after a long estrangement, reunites with her daughter, who is an alcoholic. Over the course of our conversation at the Empire Hotel in New York, where Jannie is finishing up a widely-hailed, limited-engagement Broadway revival of Six Degrees of Separation, she and I discussed a wide range of topics, among them how a horrific, freak accident when she was just 17 ended her plans to pursue a career in skating and started her on the path towards acting, how Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward became key players on that journey, how work in the theater led to her being cast in the film Primary Colors, and how her performance in that in turn led to her being cast on The West Wing, what it was like playing the smartest woman in the room, or if not in the room, then on the move in one of Aaron Sorkin's patented walk-in talks, why she wishes she was like her character on The West Wing, but personally connects much more to her characters on Masters of Sex and Mom, and much more. So, without further ado, let's go to that conversation.
0: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW, void. prohibited by loss. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Allison,
1: thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate
0: it. I'm happy to be here.
1: To begin with, we always just ask a basic one. Where were you born and raised and what did your folks do for a living?
0: I was born in Boston, Massachusetts. My father was going to Harvard Business School, mm-hmm. and he was it was his senior year. So or I don't know, I it's a two-year program. So we graduated, and then they moved me and my older brother back to Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And then we moved to Dayton, Ohio, and that's where mm-hmm. I grew up, yeah. in Dayton, Ohio. So my father is in commercial real estate, mm-hmm. and my mother is the Doyenne of Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> that's what I like to say. She's on the board of everything you can be on the board yeah. of you know the ballet uh, <laughs> the muse machine organization she started there she's she's very active in the the community and yeah
1: so i read that skating was a great passion of yours growing up but that this pretty freak horrific accident that you had i guess you're about 17 and Starts with somebody stepping on your dress. That kind of derailed all this. What? what yeah, happened?
0: I know. It was a crazy, life changing moment for me. Uh, you know, thankfully not too life changing because yeah, yeah. I'm sitting here. Yes, right yes. But, but it was a party. I had just graduated from high school. Actually, you know, I went to a boarding school in Connecticut. I went to Hotchkiss in Lakeville, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't my graduation party, but it was all of the the kids I'd grown up with. Yeah. We were all graduating. So this family had a party for us and it was a party with parents and kids and they had a band outdoors and there was a game where you had to have balloons tied around your ankles in a a couple and then you tried to pop the other couple's balloons and I was cheating and I had I had a strapless long dress on and I had my balloon tied around my knee so no one could pop it I'm very competitive I wanted to win (laughs) and my brother stepped on the back of my dress trying furiously trying to get the balloon but and my dress came ripping off and I was like oh Jesus. Ran to go inside and there was just, and I hit the glass and didn't go all the way through it, but my leg was through it. And then this is like a sliding sort of, door? Or? Yeah, a sliding door. So I hit it and my leg, it sort of, this is going to make some people kind of be a little nauseous, but the the glass sort of guillotined my right leg. And oh my God. I lost three quarters of my blood and it was, it was a terrible, terrible accident that I was, I was in the hospital for about eight weeks, I guess. And I missed my first year of college. And
1: so that obviously, among probably many other things made you just reconsider your future. You're not going to be skating,
0: I guess, after that. No. Had you contemplated acting before then? Not really as seriously as a profession. And, you know, I had to take a year off before going to college. I went to college and then I not to back, but to answer that question, I sort of have to go back to. Sure. I never thought for a million years I would be an actress. My mother, however, was an actress mm-hmm. and she went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts here in New York and she did Summerstock and was roommates with Eileen Brennan yeah. and Rue McClanahan and, and she did play Summerstock with Tony Lobianco and she has some fun theater stories. So I always knew in the back of my mind that my mother had been an actress and I grew up, my mom would take we'd take the whole family and we'd go to Chicago yeah. to go see museums. But it happened to be at the same time Eileen was there doing a play. So I think that my mother and Eileen were friends. And so I, I kind of fell in love with I loved the drama and the romance of Eileen, like yeah. finishing her show and coming to visit us at the Palmer House in Chicago. And I just thought she was she was one of my the first people that I really respected and admired and yeah. thought, boy, what she does is pretty cool. Right. And then going to Kenyon College my freshman year there, Paul Newman had gone to Kenyon College and he came back to christen the new theater. They built this beautiful new thrust stage theater and and he came back to direct the first production and I got myself... Cast in that by Booker, by Crook, I you know. Well, let's note how
1: you got um, yourself cast in that. Well, thing.
0: Well, <laughs> I don't remember the exact story. I know that uh, there weren't a lot of speaking roles for girls. Yeah. It was kind of a it was a play Michael Christopher wrote, and it was called C.C. Pile in the Bunyan Derby. It was about a foot race back in the twenties, or you know, and and so there were there was a group of cheerleaders that would go along with the, the the men who were competing in the foot race, and I auditioned for one of those. So you don't really have any speaking role, but. <laughs> But you had to get up on stage and tell mister Newman something about yourself. Right. So I decided I would appeal to his love of race car driving <laughs> and I told him that I had a you know, at the time I had a Chiracco, navy blue Shiraco. <laughs> I drove and I told him that it would took took me like it takes You know, two and a half hours to get from Dayton, Ohio to Kenyon College, and I can do it in an an hour and 40 (laughs) if I take this exit and go punch it on this road here where there are no cops. And then, you know, I made up some story about what a great driver I was. And I'm sure it had nothing to do with that, more about my look that I had a, you know, another worldly look or a look where I could easily look like a 19. 20s or right. 1930s flapper,
1: but you get the part, and you'd not really acted before then, right?
0: No, I had in high school. I mean, bit. I did. I did. Funny thing happened on the way to okay. the forum. For God's <laughs> sake, I was domina, and okay, right. funny thing happened on the way to the forum. I was, <laughs> I was in Fiddler on the Roof. I did tons of of theater in high school, but high school theater. My first play I ever did, I played Noah Claypool, the Undertaker's son, in Oliver. So. Okay. Already, I knew that I was going to. They were going to, uh, you know, it was going to be hard to cast me. So I played men or forty-year-old women in <laughs> high school.
1: Well, at at Kenyon College with that first production, another person who you I guess interacted with there was Mrs. Paul Newman, yes, A.K.A. Oscar sure, winner Joanne Woodward. Woodward, and it sounds like she also became a fan of yours. And is that how you wind up at Neighborhood Playhouse with Sanford Meisler? One
0: hundred percent. Yeah. Why? Because. Joanne had gone there and she was with Paul while he was directing our play and she would sit and talk to us and about New York and she said you must come to New York and come to the Playhouse and so I applied she's saying I, this
1: to you not to everyone to,
0: no a couple of us okay, she said it right. to I don't know if she said it to everyone right. but I applied and I got in and then
1: this is right after graduating right after graduating
0: yeah. I came to New York and went finished the two year program at the Neighborhood Playhouse got to study with Sanford Meisner got a fellowship to go to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts in London and you know for a summer program which was fascinating and just a wonderful time for me and then then not only did Joanne do that but she also opened up her she formed a theater company with a lot of us young actors here in New York and she would bring us all up to you know their home in Westport Mm -hmm. Connecticut and we'd sit in their barn and read plays and and then she you know she wanted to put on a scene a showcase night for us because as young actors you need to get agents and you can't get an agent unless they see you in anything and you can't get anything unless you have your equity card there's so many catch twenty twos yeah. trying to get a career going and so she graciously you know spent her time picking scenes and directing us in showcases and we had and, and invite agents and of course having her name attached gave us a lot a really huge leg up
1: well let's let me ask you because it sounds like outside of the work you were doing with her, and was that totally her thing, or would Paul Newman still be involved with this No,
0: it was totally Joanne's. She totally did this on her own. Uh, Paul was too busy racing and (laughs) doing his other things, but I wish he had been involved, because I really, he really loves actors, and um, he loved, I wish he were still here, but he loved actors, and loved talking about acting, and loved the process, and loved when he would direct us in this play, he would, I loved his style, because he would take you, it would take, He wouldn't give notes sitting in, the, in the, the theater. He would come up on stage and put his arm around someone and take them off to the side. And and, and I kind of love that because I, as an actress, you don't, I don't always want to know what your character is doing. Right. Like sometimes it's nice not to know and have secrets and keep it right. this fun sort of... And I, I just was struck by how much he loved the process of it.
1: So outside of your work with Joanna and her acting company, how were things going? You know, when you were trying to Terrible. land <laughs> terribly.
0: Oh my God! Yeah, I, I was convinced I was never going to. You know, I I was in Joanne's theater company, and then a bunch of us started another theater company called the Red Earth Ensemble, and then and then the Shadowfax Theater Company. We had all these, all these, and we would just put on theater and these these really rat holes and you know Lower East Side I can't even believe where I did theater right. here and tried to get people to come I just kept doing it I studied with Wynne Hanman here loved Wynne Hanman and and I just kept putting myself out there and trying to get people to come I had a, oh, I had a wonderful experience out in Teaneck New Jersey I can't remember what at that college out there and I did this play a Michael Christopher play called Breaking Up with Matthew Modine <laughs> and they loved it the production got great reviews and they were going to move it into New York and it was going to be my my big break. Right. And the night before we started rehearsals for that next production, Matthew called me and he had gotten a part in Black Stallion and he oh, left. Jesus. And I was like, oh, my God, yeah. what's a girl got to do?
1: <laughs> and I mean, so there were things, though.
0: Was this overlapping with the period of. Guiding Light, for instance. Yeah, Guiding Light. That was a great moment for me because yeah. I, as much as, like back then, even, just, you know, soap operas always had this, you know, reputation of not being cool jobs for actors. Like, they're, it's, that's tacky to do soap operas or whatever. And then I, got this job. And I was like, I don't care. I'm so thrilled that I have a paying job. Right. I can pay my rent for the first time. My right. parents were so generous with me growing up and how, and coming here to yeah. New York and paying my rent for me. And I finally could pay my own rent. It was such an important moment for me. And I felt, I felt so proud and really great. And I loved my experience working on that. soap well, opera. a
1: number of actors have said they actually, it wasn't the the place where they dreamed of being. It was good practice because you have to learn so much so quickly every day, right? Yeah,
0: it was great practice and it's sort of similar not too dissimilar to working on mom right now because you you do script changes all the time and you have to memorize it right there and then you shoot and 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 it's a very like the way they did it you'd either work in the afternoon or in the evening and they had it scheduled very civilized and and it was a lot of fun and i loved the other actors i worked with and i can't think of one person's name right now because i i can't think that far back but there were some great actors I got to work and with, and people
1: that are, they were on it probably till the very end. Yeah, I, mean, I have to admit there were a couple of years there where that was sort of my guilty pleasure. You get
0: home from mm-hmm. high it was school or light, whatever. Were you? light? Were you? Yeah. I watched all my children. That was yours? in General <laughs> Hospital, and then I, I also did a character on As the World Turns. Yeah. I was on that one, and there's I, nothing I like not Joshua them. and Riva. You no, know, that well, was <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the turning point though ended up being not the Matthew Modine thing, but it was actually. A show that's being revived at the same time that you're in a revival of Six Degrees of yes. Separation. Yeah, present, present laughter. laughter. Yeah. At that time with Frank Langella. Yeah. So you get this on Broadway when you were 30, 36. thirty-six. Six. Oh,
0: good. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> so yeah. no, but I mean,
1: yeah. For I guess before we even before I ask mm-hmm. you about that, why do you think it took so long for people to recognize your talent, and also during those. Kind of years of a little bit of struggle. Was there ever a point where you were ready to to give it up?
0: All the time, really. <laughs> oh, all the time. I was so. I just couldn't. I knew that I. People kept telling me I was good, and I felt connected when I was acting. I felt really powerful. I felt something different than I felt walking around in my normal life. I was mm-hmm. like, I feel something different here. I feel really good yeah. and connected here. And and I would have just auditions and come home sobbing on the subway and and just you know, slowly things would happen, but there was one particular moment right before, well, even before Present mm-hmm. Laughter, where I, I decided it was time to find something else to do. And I went to the Johnson O'Connor Institute on the east side, and which is an aptitude testing place. And I, and I went through three days of extensive testing to figure out what, what I could do <laughs> if it weren't, you know, if I wasn't going to right, act. Right. And, and I always laugh because I think about the people who are analyzing my tests after three days, <laughs> looking at them, going, "What are we going to tell her?" <laughs> I don't know. What should we? What can we? What, yeah, there's nothing this girl can do. Let's figure out what she can make it So they told me I could be an excellent systems analyst, which I don't think I actually would be. Because what like, even is I, a system? Well, at? I found out. Um, I think it's someone that goes into a organization that's not working well. It's not functioning well, and this person will come in and go, "Oh, I see." You got to move these chairs over here and these people need to be working next to these people. like they assess oh, could problems. could have been Mitt Romney. That was your Is that what <laughs> Mitt Romney did? I think so. well, okay. on a large scale, but yeah. yeah. I <laughs> said they tell
1: me I would be good at that. Right. Well, so that <laughs> you you decided to stick with it. President laughter comes along. That's I guess in 96, 97, then 97, 98, another big one on Broadway view from the bridge, from your the first bridge. Tony nomination. Yeah. Were you at that point imagining that your future was going to be on the stage primarily?
0: Yeah, I would say and, and I did pretty much feel secure in my having done Gone from Present to after to from the Bridge, I thought I was really proud that I went from two different styles, yeah. and of course as an actor in theater, you're trained to do different styles, that's what we do as actors, we do we're going to do Noel Coward this week, and then we're right. going to do, you know But funny it did thing show you the way your range, yeah. range that you could yeah. do a,
1: a Broad comedy and then go right into a pretty dark
0: play. Yeah, so I felt pretty great about that back-to-back story there, uh, part of my story, and I thought, yeah, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna continue to do
1: theater. So pre West Wing, you were a part of a number Mm -hmm. of very good movies. You mentioned Big Night, but let's, you know, there's Ang Lee's The Ice Storm, Mm -hmm. and the list goes on. But I've got to ask you about one in which you played a pretty small part that led to a pretty big opportunity. And so how did you wind up in Mike Nichols' film Primary Colors in 98? And then how did that in turn lead to Mr. Sorkin?
0: Okay, well, that's a fun story to tell because I was doing a play at Naked Angels Theater Company downtown called Fat Men in Skirts by Nikki Silver, Mm -hmm. who's one of my favorite people and playwrights. And that play was with... Stanley Tucci and Marissa Tomei, who had just won her Oscar, and Matt McGrath. And it was a crazy play. I don't know if you're familiar with oh. it, but it's, it's a crazy play. And it's, it's a lot of fun to perform. And we did, I think, maybe eight performances only, or maybe two weeks. But I'm thinking only eight performances. And the play starts with my character standing on the beach, pouring sand out of her high heels, saying, I loathe the, the beach and then she has this monologue and this one night I was performing it and I came backstage and I said, Stanley, I don't know what's going on out there, but I swear to God, nobody is looking at me. Nobody's looking at me. <laughs> I felt like the, I was standing there like, is, is this thing on? Uh, nobody, I felt the weirdest energy out in the audience. And and he said, I'll tell you later, just it's not you. And, <laughs> and then afterwards I find out that in the audience that night were Mike Nichols, mm-hmm. Jackie O. <laughs> And John, John Kennedy, Al Pacino, oh my God. Ellen Barkin, like at least eight more people yeah. like that, but mostly Jacqueline Onassis. That's was a pretty out big there. one, yeah. So no one wanted to hear what Alice and Janet. I was like, what is she wearing? Is she wick? Oh, what is she? Look like? It was the craziest. Oh but Mike wrote me the loveliest letter after seeing me in that play, which I still have framed in my office he wrote me a couple more letters since then and I framed them and it was right after Lorraine Bobbitt. remember that oh, incident yeah. oh. because he mentioned her in this <laughs> note I wish I had I had it memorized I could tell you how he brought her into the to the into his note to me but it was so it was such a beautiful Letter that he and then from then he, he but cast I have to me. stop you. So, okay. how does
1: Lorena Bobbitt factor into his note about your performance? Well, it was,
0: it was, it was something, some clever way of bringing in the whatever had just happened that day. Yeah. I think it was going on right oh, around right. the time <laughs> of the place, so it was a huge, right. it was on every paper, and no one, everyone was like, for, oh for my folks God.
1: who don't remember, we'll just contextualize she removed her husband's, husband's appendage. <laughs> 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 I don't, I wonder whatever happened to and him, and then he became
0: yet. a porn star. Are you kidding me? A, he, had it, he had it put back. I don't know if they found the original one, but I don't know. This is taking a turn <laughs> here. Right, but sorry, anyway, no, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> but I think it was, it was something about having no, being famous for something other than that. Like it may, I can't remember. I'm going to have to find it and read it to you so you know, or send it to you because it's
1: really. No, it sounds awesome. I mean, what a big thing to get somebody like him noticing
0: you. I know. And and it started our friendship then and then he put me in Wolf which was my first movie with him. And then he offered me the part in Primary Colors.
1: And we should just remind people that in Primary Colors, you are playing this, how do we describe, like a sort a school of... T- a teacher. A teacher who is so charmed by John Travolta's Bill Clinton-esque yes. politician that not only before you sleep with him, you you are so charmed that you literally fall over in mid-conversation.
0: Yes, I fall down. I'm not fall, but I trip on a flight of stairs. Yes. <laughs> Which I, um, I I mean, the only reason I could do that is I had done a production of Noises Off in, in in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And I watched a stunt choreographer work with an actor, Bill Bowers. I remember he had to fall down a flight of stairs and I remember sitting watching him and I'm like, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. So when Mike asks me two minutes before we film the scene, do you think you'll be able to sort of trip on the stairs here? And I'm like. Why, yes, 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 I can, Mike. And, and it I, turned
1: out to be a very important thing, right? Yeah, it
0: was a really important moment. I got a lot of mileage out of that fall. Yes. I had, I remember being somewhere later, like at the my first Emmys, I think, and Steve Martin came up to me and said, I... Your pratfall is probably one of my favorite pratfalls. Like, <laughs> I got people coming up saying things like that, and I just had no idea what it was going to do for me. But but most importantly,
1: but most importantly, w- yes.
0: Aaron Sorkin and Mike Nichols are good friends. I know Aaron looked up to Mike was one of his mentors, one of his people. He, he loved Mike, mm. so I think he saw my performance in that and wanted brought me in for to audition for the role of CJ. Which and was
1: so the year after Primary Colors, pretty soon after Primary Colors. Yeah, yeah. But in between those, just a quick thing I can't let us pass by is that another theater activity of yours led to another major movie, which happened to win the Best Picture Oscar. How did you end up in American Beauty?
0: Oh, what that? Alan Ball wrote a play called Five Women Wearing the Same Dress that I was lucky enough to get cast in that was done at Manhattan Class Company and Alan and I fell in love with each other there where I loved working with him and soon after that production he had American Beauty was being cast and he insisted that Sam Mendes see me for this for the part of of Barbara Fitz and I went in and I think I read for Sam an audition I don't I don't remember what I did that must have had audition but I remember being excited to meet Sam and grateful that Alan had brought me in and then I got the part and
1: and the part was as the sort of quiet wife of the Chris Cooper character mm-hmm. who was a closeted gay oh, man. Yes. Which kind of was in a way practice for something you might do in Masters of Sex. Masters of so Sex. It was a little bit of right. a similar dynamic. Yeah, yeah. But that probably around the time you were doing that uh, is when you first hear about West Wing. How did that first... Cross your radar, and and then what was that process like of just getting that?
0: I was living here, in New York City was my home, and I was out in Los Angeles, staying at this hotel, and I was working on, I was doing American Beauty, and I was doing Neil LeBute's Nurse Betty at oh, the same wow. time. Wow, two very different newbies. <laughs> not, you know, the parts weren't huge, so it wasn't yeah. they? Just it was one week I'd work on that, and the yeah. next week, and while I was out there, my agents called and told me about this pilot that was being shot. Aaron Sorkin had written it. It was called The West Wing, and they wanted to see you for it and of course I'd heard of Aaron Sorkin and I knew that Aaron Sorkin had written The West Wing and that John Wells was involved somehow and of course I knew John Wells because of ER I mean his involvement there so there was uh, there were a lot of great people involved in this and I I read it and I went oh how funny this is great this is a really funny script
1: and you were you reading specifically for the part of CJ CJ, yeah Um,
0: I was reading for CJ And I went in for my first audition and I walked into a room in Warner Brothers lot and there was Aaron and Tommy Schlami, And I read, it was the first press briefing that CJ has in the pilot where she says the president has been in a bicycle accident. And uh, that was my audition thing. Yeah, biked into a tree. (laughs) So I read that for them and they literally said nothing. And I was like, Okay, well, thank you. And I walked out of there, called my agents, was like, Well, that's not going any further. They hated me. They didn't even add, they didn't even do I They totally didn't like me. Got a call back. I was like, What? Okay. And I went in and read it again, again, nothing, nothing, no really, no adjustments, no, nothing. And well, up again, I was like, I don't know why they keep calling. I don't know what's happening here. And I saw a lot of other women out there, too. So I figured, well, and I thought, well, this is good. This is my first experience auditioning for a television show. I'll just, I have a friend who always says, at least you get to act. Think of it, that you you get to act today. You know, trying to get That's over my fear of auditioning, it, right? you know, because I ever know who, who likes
1: auditioning. Nobody. But you've but you, really I, never been on a TV show up, up to that point. No, I,
0: I probably uh, had done something, but nothing not of, like, like serious, not for a pilot. Right. Like and then and then when I found out I had to test for the network, I was like, holy crap. OK, I'm going to go test for the network. I've never done this before either. Right. And that's when you have to go in a scary room with a lot of suits <laughs> and people judging you, and and what it's are they even terrifying. looking at? They're just, you know, you're going up against. There, I think there were a couple other women out there who are auditioning for CJ, and so you go in there and have to throw down, and and you know, and, and 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 may the best woman win. Right. And I, up even to that point, I thought this is just good experience. Mm-hmm. Nobody gets their first thing they test for. This is just great to learn what this process is like, and. So I wasn't, I know, I didn't know, I didn't, didn't think I was gonna get it then. And then I went back to the hotel I was staying in and looking at my lines for whatever I was shooting the next day, probably American Beauty. And I got a phone call. First, I got a call from my agent saying they're offering you the part, and I was like, just incredibly excited, yeah. but also like, oh my god! I mean, like, as every actor will tell you, they get the part, and it's like, yes, <laughs> and then it's like, wait. And now I have to do it. <laughs> what does that mean? I've got to be here. Like I started, my mind started going because I was nervous about having, you know, I had a, my life was here in New York and, and then very quickly after my agent's call, beautiful flowers arrived at the hotel from Aaron and a call from him and it just was pretty. And then I saw, you know, who was doing it with right. me and all these great theater actors and people that I admired and it was one of the best things I've ever gotten to do. Truly one of the, one of my favorite jobs, one of my favorite Uh, characters. Now,
1: you knew it was a big project, but did you know it was a really, could you tell even at that point that it was going to be a pretty special show?
0: I knew that there were great people involved and I knew working on it was really, there were challenging moments, believe me, but there were some, because that's when I learned with Aaron, you, you have to have every, every word, every letter correct. You can't mess up one. So it's. You have to know your lines when you come to work. and sometimes shooting hour shooting hour long dramas, it's exhausting. You're I working eighteen hour days and and then you have to memorize tomorrow. you know it's a lot of hard work. And I knew it was good, but I never thought in a million years that people would want to watch. A show about politics. Yeah. Maybe because, because I wouldn't want to sh- watch a show about politics. I hated about right, politics. Right. I didn't grow up in a household that where we talked about politics. I didn't understand. I grew up during Watergate. You know, I was so like,
1: how did you do with some of the stuff you had to even be talking about? How was that?
0: I had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's like Shatner with Star Trek. He says, I just say, you know, pretend. Well, sometimes that- yeah. I hate
0: to admit it, but sometimes when I was so tired, I'm like, I just, I would say, am I in a good mood or a bad mood? <laughs> what is happening here? I go, would so bleary, I tired and just trying to get the words. Right. Do I sound like I know what I'm talking about? Then great. Because sometimes things were so complicated, the arguments in my, like, I don't even know how I feel about this. But I remember the episode on the the, the census. That was, it was so, wait, now, wait, what? How? How? Just say, I'm just going to say, you know, there were some crazy, everyone used to make fun of me because they knew how.
1: With the dialogue, um, though, specifically, when you have dense dialogue that you have to get every stutter exactly right, you have to get everything. How did you go about learning that? And then what is that actually like to, to deliver?
0: As an actor, whenever I perform and then someone comes up and says, oh, you forgot that line, you forgot that, you did this. I start to get very angry (laughs) and I get very self conscious, and that doesn't allow me to do what I love to do. So it was a game I had with myself. Like, I am not going to, because there was not only a script supervisor, there was a dialogue supervisor who was on that book, and she couldn't wait to get get up (laughs) out of her chair and it Tell you one what you did. The whole show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> who,
1: who, 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 do you remember the name? Uh, it
0: was Lindsay at one time, and then I think that there was someone else too. But I mean, she they were always the great. I loved them. Right, right, right. But I did not love them when they would come walk over to me while I was doing a <laughs> right, scene. I was right. like, God, Lord, I, just, I would, because then it would make me, I just don't like to be yeah. fussed with when I'm doing sure. what I do. So I learned, you know, I just became very good at, I think I have a good brain for memorizing. Mm-hmm. and. Not anymore, though. I think I used <laughs> up that chip. I think it's short circuiting at this very moment. But, you had but to remember um, a lot of stuff
1: on that from that show. Yeah.
0: So, and then I learned a funny way of making hieroglyphics that m- helped me memorize lines that I learned from someone who learned it doing Shakespeare as wow. a technique where you write the first letter of each word down and right. and the punctuation, but you don't write out the whole word. You just if, it, if the word is if your line is Happy Birthday to you, you would write H B T And then you'd write a series of those letters. And then you could see it when you just see the letter, you know. And there's something about that process that makes it so that's how what I would do.
1: And what about situations when you're not only talking? But also walking, you guys created the walk, the walk and, talk. and talk. Yeah,
0: that to me felt yeah. like theater days. Yeah. Like I loved it. I felt like I was doing a live performance, and we, you know, everyone hated how much I loved them because most, most actors didn't like, <laughs> they didn't that like them. it. Well, especially the worst was to be on the the tail end of a walk and talk because you come out and blow it, and you got to start <laughs> back no, over. And you're like, oh, that's a that's a hard position to be in. I I
1: heard a weird thing that if it's wrong, this is going to be awkward. But if it's not. I got to understand why this was the case. Did you once say, quote, I always wore big pink fluffy slippers when I did walk-in talks? I did. What is that about?
0: Well, mostly for comfort yeah. and also for sound, because whenever they put me in heels and there were many, there's Mrs. and Many Fats that <laughs> didn't um, answer to this because my height. Right. The only time they wanted me to have heels on was when I did a scene with Kristen Chenoweth because CJ's line to her was, I can't believe we're even in the same species. <laughs> um, and it was so funny because I'm, of course, I'm in heels, 6'3", and she's five, one, and. and But the slippers were just for comfort and sound. Sound loved it when I wore slippers because they didn't make any noise. Right. Yeah.
1: And just as an aside, because you did have a lot of very funny lines. I think one of my favorites was, quote, now if you'll excuse me, I have to cancel a photo op with a goat. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 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 But there are so many to pick from. But I mean, one last thing about that is just at its core, why do you think audiences, critics, Emmy voters four times, so responded to that character. Was there, for you, just a key to how to play this person that it seems like outwardly she's the most confident, smartest woman in the room, all of that, but there's also that vulnerability under there and and maybe some self-doubt, or was there a, a trick to that for you?
0: I think that's why people respond to her, is that she's this incredibly capable woman in a traditional A traditionally male arena, and she's really good at her job. She's really respected. She's smartest woman in the room, and yet she maintains her femininity and her her emotional sensitivity. And I'm sure a lot of that was me bringing my Allison. That's what I, I think I brought to CJ is that side to her because it could have been easy to play her without that. I don't know. I think and Aaron. I think Aaron liked that I could be that incredibly strong woman up there on the podium and yet like completely fall apart behind it and right. be like, but just such a great today, even, you know, after the play, there'll be people out there saying, I'm, I changed my, my whole major in college because of you and wow. CJ and that, you know, those sort of comments that people no, come great. up. It's really makes me very proud. I love her too. I wish of all the characters I play, I wish I were most like her. That's
1: and great. That. Well, when the show was over, what did you imagine your next act was going to entail? Because I believe I remember that around that time, you were looking at possibly working with Chuck Lorre way back then,
0: right? Yeah, I had a development deal with Chuck after West Wing was over. And we worked on creating a show for me that he wrote, which was, which was really funny, but Les Moonves didn't like it. So
1: this is where you were going to be like a dentist
0: I was I wasn't I was going to hook up with a dentist (laughs) and I'm not sure what we decided I was going to be but I was definitely not I think he was trying to take from my real life where I've like been engaged three times but never married and living in a house with my brother and everyone trying to get I, I can't remember what the main story plot line was but Parts of it were taken from my real life. I
1: had read, I think, here, a single dentist who falls in love with a pharmacist. But who knows? It might have, it was all
0: evolved. Well, then maybe I was a pharmacist. I don't you think might... I was a dentist. No. Gosh, I hope I. I don't remember. Well, hey, so but the
1: main thing was you you were putting a lot into that and it didn't
0: and that didn't at that go. Time. And then I decided, what does a girl do? But go back to the Broadway right, and right. do something I never thought I would do in a million years, which is nine to five, a musical. You Had know? you ever done anything musical? I mean, before? in high school, right? So, but not know, since then. No, and I went. And Joe Mantello, who's a friend of mine, directed me in one of my first plays here in New York, Blue Window he called and said, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking you should come play the Lily Tomlin role in 9 to 5 on in the musical. And I said, Joe, but yeah, but Joe, just one problem, I, I'm not really, I don't <laughs> sing. And he said, yeah, I don't want a singer for this part. Wow. I don't want a singer, I want you. And that started that chapter.
1: Yeah, and geez. let's just note, Best Actress in a Musical Drama Desk Award, Tony mm-hmm. nomination, Yeah, pretty good introduction to, to that to, whole yeah. area of it. but. You were also involved between West Wing and and coming back to to TV in a in a big way with a lot of movies that several of them are you know people's favorite. You talk to a lot of people, they'll say it's one of their favorite movies. And so I hope we can just quickly touch on a few of these because you know pretty amazing stuff. With Margaret, for instance, which I think you probably shot fifteen years before you know whatever before it, it totally came out. This is Kenneth Lonergan movie you have a small part, but you had a tough assignment and it's amazing that scene. So what what happened there? It's a woman that gets hit by a bus. Yeah. Run um, over by a bus.
0: I remember being, I was out in Los Angeles. I guess I was, I must've been during West Wing, maybe the Mm -hmm. first season of it or something. And I remember him calling me and saying, it's a, I have written this movie. It was right after Mm 9-11. So that was our second season. I'm terrible at math. We'll figure it out. Anyway. (laughs) And he called and, he said he wanted me to play this part. He said, it's very small, but Allison, it's the most important scene for me because the whole movie mm-hmm. goes on from here. It's because of what happens in that moment that you're part of that propels the rest of mm-hmm. the movie. It informs the rest of the movie. And I love Kenny so much. He's one of the best writers we have in this country yeah. in the world. He's just he's so talented. And I, I said, OK, let's do it. I'll do it. It was one of the hardest shoots I've ever had to do. We shot right up here, up Broadway, right in front of Citarellas wow. on yeah. You know, And yeah. I was living on 76th Street between Columbus and Amsterdam. I literally <laughs> Stroll just over strolled over. <laughs> and, and I had to, and another thing, another, he's like, yeah. I seem to fall a lot, because he was not sure how the bus was gonna hit me. Of course, I was very far away from the bus, but the right, camera angle, right. it looked like the bus. And he wanted me to be walking across the street and be hit by the bus, but he couldn't figure out how to do it. And I said, well, why don't I trip? And then the bus will, and he was like, oh my God. He was like, I was like, <laughs> the answer to everything, I just fall and it sort of, one, I, I know, I could, <laughs> should have been. So he was like, that's perfect. So I remember come to, doing a fall and that, getting hit. And then the rest of the day, I had to be in a pool of blood and, and on the street and and, they were like, well, do you want, we got, we got to set up here. Do you want to go to craft store? And it's on <laughs> out in the street. Where am I going to go? Covered right. in blood. I said, guys, I am here for the whole day. Right. Unless I got to pee. And frankly, who would care right. if I did? I'm on the street. I, like, I was in that blood all day long and just sat there. And I remember being that performance. Was all Kenny because I I didn't know what to do, how to play that, and he had very very specific directions for me about I want you to be really angry right here. Mm-hmm. I want you to be this too like I'm like that doesn't make sense. He said, Well, getting hit by a bus doesn't make sense. Right. I, I couldn't, I didn't understand. So I just went with it. I yeah. just did whatever he told me to do, and well, so that didn't and then
1: didn't come out till 2013. But oh I mean, and I know he it knocked him for a loop also. But he, fortunately, he has rebounded I with know. Manchester. I but know. okay, so next one of my all time favorites, Juno. You are the title character, stepmom who works in a nail salon, puts photos of dogs on her vision board, whatever that is. And has a daughter named Liberty Bell, which is almost as weird as this new NSA leaker woman, reality winner. Reality
0: winner. (laughs) What the hell? How did that happen? I don't, I
1: mean. And she was like born, I would think, before the reality TV age. I don't think
0: so. Well, I'll tell you when reality hit was during West Wing, because I always blame reality TV for the demise of West Wing. Yeah, because we... It was our second season, which was probably 2001 or 2000, somewhere in there. The Bachelor started, and we started losing viewers to The Bachelor. And I was like, how could we possibly have the same audience? I don't understand this, but our viewership started dwindling (sighs) because of the advent of reality TV. So I've always had a chip on my shoulder. When America went off the cliff. I tell you, (laughs) right around there. But yeah, Liberty Bell and Jason... I'd met him at the, it was so funny, we actually had a meeting at the Beverly Hills Hotel by the pool, and we were sitting there talking about it. I think he had me in mind for the the role of Bren, Bren, right, what's her character's name? I can't remember, Bren?
1: Yeah, I think it's Bren, um, yeah. <laughs>
0: And and we were sitting there talking, and we 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 were having a good time. And I said, "So this is is this your hang?" And he goes, "No." He goes, "Is this your hang?" I said, "No." Why are we here? Well, because I think that he thought my that he his agents had asked my agent. Well, she loves the Beverly Hills. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I would have rather gone to, but it was funny. We had we kind yeah. of bonded over that, and I, I didn't have to audition for that. But I think he just wanted to talk to me, and I, I, I knew when I read the the first two pages of that script, I was like, this is so unique. Diablo. Code. Oh yeah, I didn't know it was going to be translate that. Right. Sometimes you can re- have do yeah. a script that you know is fabulous, and then it just doesn't go anywhere. What happened to it? What happened? But I knew reading it, it was really special, yeah. and oh, had great. no idea it was going to be such a big hit yeah huge movie
1: with lost the tv series you came in for like another kind of cameo but but it was a pivotal person in the story
0: i had i didn't watch one episode of <laughs> you lost. lost i was lost <laughs> and frankly i remember talking to the creators saying can you help me out here and they were like not really.
1: <laughs> you kind of have to just... Or were they afraid that you were going to spoil it for somebody? No, I
0: just don't think there were any concrete answers that they uh, could give me. I think well, you had to sort of... Series and, finale kind of validates
1: yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, right?
0: and I I, I didn't... I, I don't know. I kind of... I don't know why I did that. I think because I was shooting in Hawaii, and I thought, well, this will be fun to be part of this. It's a huge series. Yeah, It'll be. Yeah. It's. And And I think it was that thing of... Wanting to be current, right. you know, as an actor, sometimes right. you're like, oh, I don't feel very. When well, this is like the biggest show, yeah, right. and It's like, All right, I'm gonna go play the Smoke Man's mom or <laughs> Dark Smoke. Mom. I don't even remember, but that was, yeah, acting. I don't like acting outdoors. I will tell you right now. I don't, oh, really, I don't like acting in streams outdoors. It's very. It's you can't it's, what's No, it's very noisy, and it was hard to c- concentrate. It was challenging. Okay, doing so
1: it's that. that a year after that, the help. I know you and Octavia Spencer had been in everything Tate Taylor had done before that. Yes. Now he gets the big one and it wasn't a, it wasn't a sure thing. Right?
0: No, as much as Tate, if he were sitting here, he'd say, yes, it was. She, and I was like, no, it wasn't for me, <laughs> not in our negotiations. Right? It was not a, a done, it was very stressful that, uh, and I know it was for Octavia too, because, but I knew that Kitty and Catherine Stockett who wrote the help had, had written that with, Octavia in mind and Octavia had been very attached to the part of many had gone around and done readings of the book and the book tour and she had done the reading for the audiobook and that was her role so when she found she oh we had the funniest conversation because she found out there were many sides she What's said the what What's there many sides because her character was many so there were many oh. sides <laughs> out and she's like why are they mean why are there many sides I don't understand why it was do we joke she thought they were she was like they're auditioning other people for many right. and she was Boy, she would. She made me laugh so hard. Uh, but and
1: so, so, you guys had on all of those things worked together, right? So you must have known her pretty well by that point.
0: Yeah, I had met her out in uh, L.A. with Tate in probably 1998, 99, wow. somewhere in there. Wow! So and even
1: before maybe the West Wing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right, right as the West Wing. Yeah, yeah it was right before or right during, whatever. But um, yeah. we've been friends for a long time, oh, so great. it's been really great watching well, that one her. Definitely.
1: That was what put her on the map. It it sure did. One other one before we get to the, the present day, and that is The Way Way Back, which you're the alcoholic neighbor. And I understand that because you had played variations of The Alcoholic Neighbor, that gave you a little bit of pause before agreeing to do it. It ended up being a great movie, but did you almost say no to that? I
0: did. I, did, I thought, I can't play this. I, and I don't even know what characters I was thinking about that I had played right. that I felt that I was doing <laughs> too many drunk alcoholic women. But I really, right. I'd have to go back and look at that time and see what I had just done or what I was... But then I, I couldn't... I love Jim and, and Jim Rash and Nat Faxon. They are just... Hysterical, and Nat and Jim, and I'd met, I'd met them through their work at the Groundlings, right. and I used to go and see them because Tate was Tate and Octavia were good friends with them, and Melissa McCarthy. Mm-hmm. So we would go, Octavia and Tate, and, 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 and Jim, we'd go see Jim and, and Melissa in the Groundlings. So we had become very friendly, all of us, and and I, I think I was going through a hard time at that point too, and I, I was doing this movie in Upstate New York called mm-hmm. Days and Nights that
1: first on the call sheet. Was yeah, there. number one on the call yeah, sheet.
0: Yeah. That was, yeah. Some... <laughs> anyway, so and I went right from there to do Way Way Back, and I'm so glad I did. It was one of my favorite oh, a lot of experiences doing that movie. Living on the beach, we're literally walking down the beach to the set, and 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 just how
1: do you beat that? Yeah,
0: and I loved that character too.
1: So I guess you that came out in 2013. You probably made it in 2012, which is also, I think, the same time that your involvement with both Masters of Sex and Mom would have begun. How, for a little while there at least, did you coordinate doing both of these?
0: Thank God they were both under the same umbrella, yeah. CBS Universal. Yeah, so the two came up. I think it was it worked out perfectly right right, right when Mom finished and went go on hiatus in March that's when Masters of Sex my work started so so they kind of dovetailed. They did they didn't ever happen at the same time but I okay. finished Mom and then went in to do the the first season of or whatever season it was of right. Masters of Sex my first storyline sure. arc I did during the hiatus and it worked out perfectly
1: Well so let's just note cuz Masters of Sex I guess was now it's hard to know in order which one this was. I think it's Emmy number five. I think, or maybe Mom was number. F- anyway, but I, yeah, I don't know. Let's uh, <laughs> let's note though that so this is a very quiet woman suffering kind of in silence. And is it easier or harder to play somebody who doesn't have much to say?
0: I liked playing Margaret Scully. I liked the scenes where I didn't say anything. I like. I enjoyed playing that sort of self-reflective character. It was not knew that her life, something was not right in her right. life, and she was trying to get clues from her other friends and how their lives are going and their sex lives and sort of comparing and wanting, oh, there's something very wrong with me. There's something not, you know, the, her awakening. And I loved playing the, that part. And as far as having a lot to say, it's fun when you have a lot to say when, you know, when Aaron Sorkin's yeah, writing yeah. the words or, you know, you have, that can be fun too, but... I enjoyed playing Margaret. She felt more, in some ways, more like me than any other character, just in terms of, because I am not, I'm not a, I'm a pretty shy, quiet person. I don't.
1: Well, from the way you're saying it, she, Margaret's in some ways closer to who you are, but CJ's who you wanted to be. Is that why you're, yeah. yeah. But there was one particularly tough day as Margaret, would you say was there was there a scene that you were at least looking forward to? Oh well,
0: yeah, any of the <laughs> ones where I was naked having sex. I never thought at fifty whatever I was fifty four. I don't know, in my fifties yeah, to be yeah. asked to do a sex scene is not something that a lot of women in their fifties get asked to do. So that was really challenging and not very comfortable doing at all.
1: But I guess did you kind of assume getting into that show that that might come up? Well, I knew it was going to come up, but I also
0: knew at that time I was in—I was working out quite a bit. I had right. been—I had been doing a lot of Pilates every day, yeah. and and I was, you know, I was in love, and I was lost. Right. I was like I was—I was very in the best shape that I could be. So I was like, well, heck, if
1: you're going to do it, if I'm going to do it. Do it now.
0: I would not do it now. <laughs> Well, I mean, you get a good
1: workout there doing eight not, times a
0: week. Not enough. Not enough. Not <laughs> enough. No, I need to be working out. I should be walking. I should have walked here from oh, when I'm wow. down on Prince Street. I should have walked up here, but eh. anyway, I'll get back to it.
1: So then that brings us to the the one that, okay, so that whatever the number in the order, two more Emmys, mom, Bonnie, this recovering addict who reconnects with her daughter, who's also yeah. a recovering addict, and, and it's been on since September 2013 and I guess just the the basic first how did you first hear about
0: it and what appealed to you the one format I'd never done before was the the multicam and I'd heard that it was a, a schedule that was incredibly Easy, not easy, but but more <laughs> civilized than right. any other right. work. And I was tired of the, I had done the Matthew Perry thing, the Mister Sunshine that didn't only aired four episodes or whatever. But it was a single camera comedy, again the 12-, 15 hour days. And oh Lord, those are hard to not do. Bad. It's really exhausting. Yeah. And I thought I want to do, I want to throw my hat into the multicam comedy world because I. I love comedy. I love, you know, I love performing in front of a live audience. It seemed to be the perfect amalgamation of all the different things that I love to do as an actor. So this came on my doorstep and it was Chuck. And I was like, well, maybe I hope he didn't have bad feelings about our development Mm -hmm. deal gone Mm -hmm. bad. But, and I knew it was written for Anna Faris and had you ever
1: crossed paths with each other before?
0: No, I'd never met Anna before. And my agent called and said they wanted me to audition and she was not keen on me auditioning or having to audition. And I said, no, it's okay. I kind of want to audition for this because I, I want to see her and see how we breed together. So I I don't want to use that pass or that whatever, when you get to a certain level, you (laughs) know, you don't have to. And I'd frankly, I'd rather audition than have a meeting because meetings are weird. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So I went in and, and met Anna and, Shuck and Gemma Baker and Eddie Gorodetsky and Nick Bakai, they were all in the room and I read with Anna and had a great time reading with her and and then they gave the part to me and it was, and I, I also was I liked that, that it was dealing with people in recovery yeah. and that was an issue that's very dear and close to me and I, I thought, I, I'd like to tell these women's stories. i didn't no idea where it was gonna go or how it was gonna develop right. but
1: Well I mean without getting into any greater detail than, than you feel like, I mean I know you'd been near people that have had this kind of issues with addiction and whatever and, and I you know, that might drive some people to say, I don't wanna have anything to do with this subject matter. Did you feel going in that it might actually be a way to work through that or cathartic or in any you know why why run towards that instead of away from
0: it yeah i thought well i lost my brother to alcohol and addiction and i it made me feel like i felt very grounded in the material i felt in the world that i i can be in this world i want to be in this world i want to tell these stories i want to and and, and i'm not saying we're cure in cancer with this show at all, but I will tell you the people that come up to me on the streets are people who, tears in their eyes, saying mm-hmm. how grateful they are that there is a show that makes them laugh about themselves right. You know, in recovery and showing these great characters and these women surviving together and laughing and loving and, and dealing with things that, that you deal with when you're in recovery. And I, it makes me really proud. Yeah,
1: sure. And, and I guess that maybe is one of the most from the outside trying to dissect why does the show work and how does it work how do you guys when you're dealing with such heavy stuff sort of seamlessly transition to the funny stuff and back and forth like that it's is, what's the secret is that I, just Chuck Lorre
0: that's Chuck Lorre that's yeah. the writers being able to you know like that first just episode I did called Tush Push and Radishes <laughs> the names are crazy yeah. but we start the episode with us all line dancing and that's where I get the phone call that you know, my mother has died Mm -hmm. and it's just that juxtaposition as us doing these crazy line dancing. And it was like, I'm on the phone. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Bye. Who was that? Oh, someone, my mom's dead. And kickball change, five, two, or but it's just sort of the way they throw everything in the mix together. They don't try to separate it. They just, you know, when we find out Marjorie has cancer yeah. and she says, don't treat me any differently. And I say, okay, here, you pay the check, <laughs> you know, like that that sort of stuff that right. just happens that makes you laugh. That's right. real. It's not, it's just real life.
1: Well, how does the, you mentioned that it's multi-camera and for people who may not know that, that does not only mean that there's multiple cameras, but also that you're doing it in front of this live audience. And usually multi-camera is used with broad comedy. This is certainly has a lot of comedic elements, but when you're dealing with more serious things, I mean, I guess you could go back and find certain examples like All in the Family or whatever, but where it kind of bridges the line. But why is, why is multi-camera the appropriate and best format for this when it maybe isn't the obvious way to go?
0: Yeah, I'm grateful that we have during our shoot week on Thursdays, we shoot stuff that we don't do in front of a live audience. Usually it's green screen stuff or whatever, but the way the show's progressed and some of the emotional demands of the scenes, Chuck will always say, would you like to do this on Thursday or would you like to do it in front of a live audience? I will always opt to do it on Thursday because I like that quiet and I don't want to feel the live audience mm-hmm. there when I'm working on an emotional scene. Yeah. Anna likes to do it in front of the live audience. <laughs> so we're different, but they always ask us, which I'm really grateful for. And I think that because of that, I, I mean, I know other shows have done emotionally demanding things in, in comedy, but I I think this, it works for our show because I think that's what people like about us, that we are telling these women's stories and not shying away from, from the tragedies that happen in life and the real issues that come up that people deal with. And we're able to deal with them, look at them in an honest way, but also have these crazy laughs and these crazy characters. that The writers, whatever happens in that writer's room, they they balance it all. I mean, we get to act it out. Is there any
1: improv in this one? I know it wasn't with West Wing, but can you now be a little bring your bring yourself to this a little bit
0: more mm, physically i do <laughs> yeah, right, right. i physically i get to throw you know if i Stuff decide to throw whatever. down you know right. r- slide down a banister or <laughs> jump over a thing i'll, I'll always throw in right. and you know add that that part that's where i come in that's what i can bring to the fun, game even
1: though it can get dark is it oh, a fun yeah. job
0: it's a really fun job i love i really i love that they're that it's not just strictly comedy that we do have these darker places and real places we get to go to, and then, and then the characters that they've created are these women are, are wonderful women that I think people have care about. And yeah. They want to. They they've invested in them, and and we have a lot of fun working together as That's a great. five five women. You know, <laughs> over the age of forty, working on top. it's fantastic. That's great. Yeah.
1: With our last minute, just sort of if I if I may, we do a little rapid fire. The first thing that comes to your mind. I've recently seen you doing what you're gonna be doing later tonight, this great revival of Six Six Threes of Separation. It's the first time I've seen you perform live. I get the sense that there's a, you know, it's not because of the paychecks or the schedule that someone like you would come back to Broadway or do theater. So ultimately, if you had to pick one medium, which is it that, you know, if you could only do one going forward, which would it be?
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> If I could only do one, I would be right on television, right? It would be television. Right now, because of the schedule, because of the life. So I can have a life outside of... Yeah. This Broadway is grueling. It's fantastically rewarding, but it's grueling. Yeah. Film work is grueling. And usually I want to be at home with my dogs and my friends Mm -hmm. and then go to work and have a lovely... You know, every once in a while, come do it. But if I had to pick one, it would...
1: Okay. Could the West Wing work today or have we as a society, just become too cynical and stupid. I know when, when Aaron tried to, you know, to bring idealism back with the newsroom, he's the first to say it was a frustrating experience. But do you think the West Wing could work today?
0: Uh, judging from all the people who are asking for it to come back, yeah. I would say yes. I think it would be, if Aaron wrote another one, I don't know if we should all come back. I think maybe he should write another one with new characters or something. i I mean, I just don't, everyone needs it, wants it, wants, it, wants to have, you know, a White House and administration they can feel they can look up to and trust and admire. And I mean, he wrote, he wrote the camelot of yeah. all administrations. And
1: what would you, how am I
0: doing an- on my one word answer? No, <laughs> <Okay, good. Sorry. laughs>
1: what one piece of advice would you and or CJ, you could answer it from either perspective, have for the incumbent in your position, Sean Spicer?
0: Keep doing what you're doing because Melissa McCarthy is just <laughs> really making us laugh.
1: Right. And then lastly, you know, we've been through a, a lot of stuff that we've had a very varied career and just all kinds of stuff. What is there? Is there one thing on the bucket list that you haven't yet done that you would really like to do?
0: Well, I always jokingly say I would kind, of, kind of want to play a, a villain in a Bond film. <laughs> that would be cool. You know, I think I'd be a good villain in a Bond film. I want to do one of those big old action movies yeah. and be kick-ass some you know behind the desk but then she gets out and like what I, I kill bill like if i could have a scene like right. daryl hannah and and uma and kill bill yeah holy mackerel <laughs> bring, it on. bring it on awesome well i hope
1: somebody's listening <laughs> who can do that thanks a lot I really appreciate it.
0: thank you so much it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash